recording for the first episode of 2020. My name is Paul. And my name is Ben. And this is Film Busters. Wow. That was a new intro. I know, I thought I'd just go for something different, you know, it's 2020, living life on the edge. It's a little bit fiery, isn't it? Well, you know, fire in the booth. Fire in the booth, without Adam, there is nothing but fire in the booth. He's a dog squid for us, man. (laughs) He wets us down. (laughs) Hope you're having a good holiday wherever you are, Adam. Yes, Adam is on holiday, so sadly he cannot be here for the gentleman episode, but he's in our prayers. It's not thoughts? really, it's not, it's not in my prayers at all. No, okay. never in my prayers. Never, <laughs> well, there would be no prayers to be in. <laughs> thoughts and prayers. If you put any thought into your prayers, you'd stop praying because you know it's pointless. Oh, lovely. Lovely. So how was your uh, New Year just to start off? Oh, we're doing pleasantries first. Yeah, might oh, as well. My, my New Year was uh, mighty fine. What did I do for New Year's Eve? I went to... Oh, do you mean New Year's Eve or New Year? <laughs> Whatever you want to say. <laughs> I had a, a curry and some drinks on New Year's Eve. <laughs> What did you do? Oh, sick as a dog. Oh, yeah, you were sick. <laughs> Tell the people how terrible you were. I thought um, I might have food poisoning, but but looking back at it, I think I might have had um, neurovirus. Neurovirus? That's a new yeah. one. I think it's neurovirus, I think that's what it's called. I don't know. Is it neuro? Maybe you're right. Basically, like loads of people I've spoken to had exact same thing, and it's something that lasts for, for like 12 hours. That's right. And that's exactly how long it lasted for me. What so, hideous thing. Yeah, and food, surely food poisoning would, would last a little bit longer. Well, you, you know, you say that. The interesting thing, which I didn't tell you at the time, mm. I, or maybe I did tell you, I can't remember, was on New Year's Eve, five years ago, I was really fucking sick. It's In fact, New, sorry, it wasn't New, New Year's Year bug, Eve. mate. It was night of the 30th, so, it was, so I was sick, like early hours of New Year's Eve leading into New Year's Day. And that was like a 24-hour thing. And I think it was from oysters. I had oysters. Mm. And um, I was so sick as a fucking dog. Ruined my New Year's Eve. But then I was totally fine the next day. It's a New Year bug. Horrible. It's all the gluttony from Christmas. We stuff our faces and then we're sick from all the... It's got to come out at some point. It's got to come out. It's all got to come out. Right, so today we are going to be talking about The Gentleman, the new Guy Ritchie film. We are not doing our standard quiz that we normally do every episode. Can you believe that Adam has taken your dreams from you, Ben. The dreams of you being a host of the quiz. No. Well, it's he's terrible. very selfish like that, so I can believe it in- entirely. It's terrible. At least it gives you time to like gather your thoughts and what you want to bring to the, the quiz for 2020, you know? I know. Okay, so I guess we'll just go straight into this. Should we go to the, the feature? What is this? The Gentleman, I believe. Oh, the main event. Yeah, yeah. The main event. Play that theme song. The main event. Right, we are talking about The Gentleman. This is a spoiler episode, so if you have not watched The Gentleman, we will be spoiling it, talking about all the little details of this film. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to turn it off. Or we could just spoil it for you, however you want to play the game. Whatever game that is. I think one of our unique things that we do on this podcast is that we review contemporary films like films that are out in cinema now and we just spoil from the fucking off yeah, lots of others have the courtesy of going well we're not going to spoil it for you and now we'll spoil it for you in the last 10 minutes we just spoil the fuck off from the off listen I don't, I don't go listen to reviews before I've watched the film no no it's true that's true so just spoil me yeah 
That is that is true. I there was a long time. Do you know what? I used to listen to the Komodo Mayo podcast all the time. It was my mm. go-to podcast. But since we've been doing our own podcast, particularly over the last year, and we found all these other wonderful podcasters, I don't. I just listen to them. But and yeah. but most of them don't really review contemporary films apart from the the movie journey guys everyone else does the old film so i yeah. don't really ever get spoiled with stuff so it's cool mm. i go into everything fresh and case in point i don't know about you but going into the gentleman i literally nothing about it other than it was a guy ritchie film with uh, matthew mcconaughey and and hugh hugh grant oh, that's good i knew nothing about it hadn't that's, seen a trailer it's, it's nice it's nice to do that isn't it oh surprise wonderful. yourself surprise yourself maybe so sh- shall we, uh, do you want to take the reins and, and do the plot summary? The, the lovely thing that Adam likes to do every episode? Oh, wow. The honour of it. So The Gentleman, this is basically Guy Ritchie's attempt at gentrifying the genre which he helped create. So he takes that Cockney, East End, wide boy approach to crime and applies it to the upper classes as opposed to the working classes this time. With Matthew McConaughey in the lead role as an American who has this marijuana empire who um, wants to sell it off and retire so he can live the high life. But things don't go quite according to plan because of a seedy little reporter in the form of Hugh Grant and the little movie script that he reveals to Raimondo, played by Charlie, whatever his name is. Hunnam. Hunnam. I was going to say Dunham, but I thought that ain't right. <laughs> That's the plot. Oh, beautiful. Well, before we go to our first thoughts, why don't we have some some someone else's first thoughts? Okay, because yes, let's do that. We asked the people, didn't we? We asked the people what their thoughts of the gentleman were. We did on Twitter. And what they say? Go on. Let's, let's, let's exchange some of the thoughts that were shared about the gentleman on Twitter. Okay, so first we got Colby Mack, the lovely Colby Mack. He says, ain't out yet. But I'm excited to watch it. Well, next up was Movie Def Cult, who said, I was concerned Guy Ritchie was attempting this subgenre for the, what is it, fifth or sixth time? But it's his best film. And credit to anyone who uses the word cunt as much as me. <laughs> Lovely. Next, we have Shaken Not Nerd. They say, love the film. If it came out in 2019 in Australia, it'd be my film of the year. A lot of love so far. Yeah. Easy going movies said absolutely loved it. Beautiful. Next we got Ashley Burnell. She said already on my top ten for twenty twenty. Saw it a month ago and still think it was brilliant. Wow. And the final comment, Sam Bradford said, great film. Hugh Grant in particular shines. Dialogue is fantastic. Well, we just got full on love for this film. That's that's a crazy amount of love, and I've got to say that's the only shit that I knew about this film before going into it was the comments of, of our of our followers. Yeah, there. yeah. You saw it a bit later than me, didn't you? I did. When did you see it? I saw it last night. I saw it last Thursday. I so think about a week ago. A week yeah. fresh. Yeah. Interesting. Well, who's going to go first then with the thoughts? Our first thoughts of twenty twenty. I'll go first. All right, sir. Okay, so just to give you a little background. Um, Snatch is in my top ten. It's number nine of my top ten. Is it? Yes. So Fuck, I, I very much that. I Jesus love that. Christ. I love that film so much. And um, you know, we've got Lockstock as well, which I believe you think is the better film of those two. I do think that. Yeah. And I feel like the people have been waiting for Guy Ritchie to come back to his his roots. You know, his uh, 
the the thing that made him famous in the first place, which is like the the London gangster kind of theme. He's he tried it again. He tried it in Rock and Roller. I like Rock and Roller. Not many people did. Um, he tried it really in what did he try it in? Revolver. Oh, Revolver. He tried it in Revolver again, which everyone hated. I didn't mind yeah. it. I didn't mind it. It was fine. It was a little bit different to what he normally does, but it was, it was fine. I started watching that on a plane. I can't remember where I was flying to, and I made it through about 20 minutes. I thought, this is so fucking pretentious. <laughs> it was. It's very pretentious. I haven't seen it in so long. Like, I've, I watched it when I was quite young, so mm. it might it might not have held up since then. But um, I don't know. Yes. And now he's brought out The Gentleman, which I feel everyone thinks this is his comeback film. Like, he's, this is what everyone's been waiting for. Um, he's been off doing his Disney Aladdin. I <laughs> know, oh, I was so surprised and... <laughs> when I realised that it was Guy Ritchie who did Aladdin. I, I was like, hmm, what was the last Guy Ritchie film? What? <laughs> <laughs> that passed me by for so long that that was a Guy Ritchie film. It's funny, isn't it? Fucking ridiculous, mate. So he's got, he, he was off doing the mainstream and now he's come back to do his, his, uh, his films that he's, he's known for. So this is The Gentleman, which I think is really bad. I really didn't like it. I feel like he's he's uh, taken his his Disney writing and he's applied it to his gangster London gangster films, and it's those kind of characters, outlandish characters, stupid, over the top, with a stupid plot, which which there's so many holes in that I think so ridiculous. And yeah, I I thought it was dumb, so I thought it was five out of ten. Wow, you went low with the first film of the year. Yeah, low. You did go low. I swear that's like as low as you've ever gone for the whole I've been, podcast. I've been lower, mate. I've been lower. Have you? <laughs> Christ. Well, okay. So, with that in mind... Yes. I, so, I don't have such a love fest for Guy Ritchie as you do. Mm-hmm. I had to familiarise myself beforehand of with what Guy Ritchie films I had seen to sort of get it, myself a little bit in perspective for this one. And apart from the two Sherlock Holmes... The only Guy Ritchie films I've watched in full that mm. I didn't switch off was Lockstock and Snatch. And yeah. like you said, yeah. Lock, Lockstock, Lockstock was that original geezer. It was, the, it was like the birth of the geezer film for a new generation. Um, yeah, it had a lot more of an indie feel than Snatch. Yeah, it did. But it was, mm. it was all like that wide boy geezer cockney stuff, which I've never been massively fond of. But I get that that's a solid film and I do enjoy that. So that was always like an 8 out of 10 type film for me. And Snatch just really, it, it didn't do it for me at all. I didn't connect with Snatch at all. I know it does for you and Adam, but for me, it just, it just didn't work. Yeah. So that was only the, the, I had only really seen those as Guy Ritchie gangster films before seeing this. And from the opening, what, five minutes? Yeah. I was fucking sold on the film. Because Matthew McConaughey walking into that pub, ordering a pint and a pickled egg, taking a phone call that you don't know what it means, and getting a bullet, supposedly, put in the back of his head while the blood drips into his pint and that track plays, <laughs> I was like, I am fucking here for this film. And by the time the film ended, I was still there for that film. It was a fucking 8 oh out of 10 for me. Oh, my God. It was an 8 out of 10 for me. And, and check this. Go on. I also think I may enjoy it more than Lockstock. I wow. think this might be his great, greatest film for me. Apart from oh Sherlock Holmes, which I really, really fucking like. But I think possibly this is his best. I'm so disappointed in you, Ben. But here's the interesting thing, Paul. 
Here's the interesting thing. Since I've seen it last night, yeah, I've been thinking about it today and thinking about what my key points would be on this podcast. And the thing is, there is so much to criticise and dislike about this film, right? Mm-hmm. And I acknowledge all of those things, but for some reason, well, Still not for some like reason, it. I just had a fucking great time with it. I well, thought it was. I thought it was I can't so fault that. enjoyable. I can't fault that. The ride, the ride was 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 good. Um, I feel like it's annoy. The, the biggest annoyance is that Guy Ritchie is now a well-to-do man because he's made a lot of money since Lockstock. Yeah. And it is like it's funny that they talk about gentrification in the movie because it, he is. It's like the gentrification of his own fucking films. He's taken the working class people and all those sordid, dirty little gangsters he had before, and he's put them in an expensive environment and given them no option but to upgrade and become expensive themselves. Um, and that's where like directors and actors and writers lose me a bit because once they do their first film it's always like great and gritty and then they make some money and then they start forgetting what it was like to be able to tell those gritty yeah, yeah. realistic stories but all that being said i fucking enjoyed this i i enjoyed the right i've hugh grant has never been better mate i i this is the only thing that positive about this film hugh grant and colin farrell they're the only bits i really enjoyed ah uh, oh yeah they, they yeah. were both very good. Yeah, very I, good. every other character, I was like, Ugh, nah, nah. Charlie Hunnam was annoying me a bit. <laughs> well, Charlie Hunnam was an interesting, interesting character because, like, from the off, I thought there was going to be a kind of twist where we find out, like, that Hugh Grant was basically going to reveal that he knew that Charlie Hunnam was in on some sort of double dealing on Matthew McConaughey, that, mm. and that he had actually fucked over Michael Pearson. But then that never happened. Still, I enjoyed. I thought it was a very odd the structure of the film. The way the way that he was he started telling the story, I was like, is this a real story? And then obviously you've, you've realised it's a real like a true story. I liked. I guess it, it all so much depends on if you buy into the the concept of of him. Let me talk you through my movie script, which is actually me his just like, explaining the entire backstory. Yeah, his black his blackmail story. Yeah, and. Mm. This is the thing. Some bits of it were just no good. But overall, I could see past it all because I found stuff to enjoy in all of it. Like, oh, mate, I don't know. The, the more I think about it, more, and I think about all those little chapters that Hugh Grant was telling, mm-hmm. there was a little something to enjoy in all of them. There was enough comedy in there for it to, to make it clear that it wasn't taking itself too seriously, and, and you shouldn't either. I think if... If I tried to take this film seriously, I would mark it low. But because I kind of just went along with its silly rides, I, I I was down for it. I just I didn't try and take it seriously. I just I knew I was coming into like the kind of snatch kind of feel. It's like light-hearted. It's not it's not to be taken seriously. But I thought it was just so dumb, like in most places. Explore. Tell just, me some just things like that you didn't like. The dialogue and everything. Like, just, just stuff that's coming out of their mouth. It's like, I don't... Like, do you know the first thing that Charlie Hunnam kind of says? He's like, oh, I'm going to stab you with a rolling pin or something like that. I was like, what are you talking about? Yes. I did think, what, how are you going to stab him with a rolling pin? But, yeah, it's, like, uh, it's, it's like he just... Let me, let me try and write the most random piece of dialogue just because that would be funny. But it's like, that's not really funny. Mm. It, 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 I, I just think the... the oh. 
the, should we should we walk through the the story and then I'll be able to probably pick up like yeah come on then let's let's different try and go times it. where it lost me so the opening scene what did you think up to when the music played that hooked okay me. apart yes it it did hook me okay and especially when the music was playing the opening titles I was like yeah I'm in I'm in with this yeah. I didn't really like when Matthew McConaughey answered the phone McCon- McConaughey McConaughey Matthew, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey answered the phone it felt like it was like really <laughs> bad acting from him. Do you, oh, know when really? he, do you know when he put the phone up and he was like, did it? Like, do you know when, do you know when it's obviously he's not ringing someone? He's oh, he pressed pushed a couple a few of buttons, buttons on the phone. And then he was like, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, at least touch a few more buttons than that. Got he it. might but have I know a new swipey phone that works that way. I know, it's, it's small details, but that's just something that annoyed me from the off. But I was with the first scene. Oh, I, was, right. I was happy with that. Okay. Even though, coming back to that first scene, I think there was a lot of times where he, where... He was where Guy Ritchie was trying to fool you into believing something happened, or fool you into believing like the story was going one way when clearly it wasn't going that way. All right. So did you think at that point that he had I, no, been I thought, shot? I, I I was with the fact that he was shot at that yeah. point. Yeah. So was I. Because we've seen yeah. so many gangster films that do begin that way. So I just yeah. didn't even for a second doubt it because I didn't think it was going to play that game. I just thought, okay, now we're going to see what led to him being shot. Yes. Yes. I went along with that. That was fine. But then because they bring that scene like three quarters into the film, I was like, okay, this is obviously not what happened then. Uh, yes, yeah. Because cause as soon as that scene comes up, you're like, okay, it's not the end of the film, so. Yeah. But that's little details because it, it fooled me to that point, so that's fine. Okay. Yeah, so then we uh, we have the scene of Hugh Grant and... Uh, I can't even think of it. <laughs> Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. I was about to call him Channing, Channing Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> well... He may have been better than him. Who knows? Charlie Charlie Hunnam, right? His acting is a strange one because he's so good in Sons of Anarchy. I was saying this to Jenny last night mm. that whenever he does anything which involves him talking with his British accent, I never believe it because he's too convincing as an American. Yeah, yeah. So when I, I hear I, him talking I agree with his that, yeah. native mm. accent, I think this is that fake. Don't sound right to me, mate. <laughs> I think it's just because he spent so much time talking American that he has to like overdo it to go back to how he naturally talks because mm. I think if he if you just heard him naturally speaking he'd probably have quite a lot of American inflections in there so like to hide it he has to exaggerate it a bit like how Christian Bale does yeah 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 and um I think it just comes across as a little bit silly but he was a, he was an odd looking individual with those glasses I know they throw that glass on him wanted to make him look intellectual didn't they <laughs> I don't know what a look they were going for everyone was dressed bizarrely in this film there was a hell of a lot of Burberry. I haven't seen this much Burberry since I was fucking fifteen. I was fine with I was fine with Colin Farrell being in the Burberry. Yes. But all those all those Chad kids. All his boxers. They were like, so what is this? Some kind of like <laughs> some special like uniform they're wearing. I know, it's the it's the Burberry <laughs> uniform. Again, it was all money. It was dripping with money like that though, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, yeah, Hugh Grant goes to his house and I was intrigued to see like where this was going with the movie script stuff and when he started you know when he did those couple of aesthetic things that were very Guy Ritchie where it starts showing you it in 35mm film and mm, then it crops mm. in for TV and stuff. All that was kind of cool. Yeah. And then the way the story started unfolding, at first I was a little bit lost, i got to admit. Like, I started... Because well, I thought, is this is this actually a story being... T- like, a story, or is yeah. this the bribery story? Yeah. The and also because, story. like you say, the, the way he's writing dialogue, they're, they're talking in a sort of jarring way. It takes you a while to get on board with the way, particularly the way Hugh Grant talks. Yeah. But I like it. I like when Hugh Grant was saying things like Ingl- Angleterra and stuff. As, like as I said, Hugh Grant was one of the best things about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For, for sure. Most of the scenes with Hugh Grant in, I was on board with. Yeah. Let's carry on, and I can I can bring up the points. It's okay. a, it was a, it's the structure of the story and like s- stupid bits that annoyed me. But uh-huh. on to on to the next bit, which is what is the next bit? What happens? Well, I can't remember in detail like what the next chronological bits were, but I think it was possibly. Mickey Michael Pearson. What was he? Mickey Pearson or Michael Pearson? I can't remember what his fucking Michael. Name was. I think it's Michael. Michael Pearson. Mickey Pearson is is from Blimey Fools and Horses. Michael Pearson meets the Jewish guy who wants to buy out his business and he takes him to that container in a field and shows him his works underneath the field. Yes. And explains how he like buys out all these country estates. Which I I, I kind of thought was interesting. I like the idea of like people who were standing to lose half of the money to the state through inheritance tax. Yeah. Instead, he swoops in, buys it, kicks back the profit. I, I kind of like the the financial wheelings and dealings of that. See, this is where this is where the story, um, a story point that falls apart for me by the end of the film Go because on. this is the one person in the film that he shows his underground base, but it's supposed to be, oh, who can this person be that's double crossing him? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I do agree with that. And it's like, the whole time I was like, it's obviously him. Why is no one's? Why haven't they jumped to that conclusion? Because mm. he he made a point of saying, "Look, they, I don't show anyone where this place is. Nobody knows where it is." And they were all saying this big deal about he's never shown anyone. No one knows. And then it's just like they show this one guy. And then all the things kick off. But then it's is like, that come also, on. Is is it supposed to be that he doesn't see see it because he because at that point how could he conceive of the reason why he was doing it was doing it because the reason he was doing it was to kick the price down. So for Matthew McConaughey's character, he must have been thinking, well, it can't be him because he wants to buy this place. So why the fuck would he knock the place off when he's intending to buy it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially as he knows, it's like. A bunch, a bunch of young guys who've come and done it. He'd be thinking like, how would he be connected to these just little gang of young people? It's going to fuck up his whole operation because it's bringing the expo. Everything that the Jewish guy says at the end of the film, oh, there's too much exposure now, and it needs to kick down the price. He was probably just not thinking like that at that point. He couldn't see the wood for the trees. Mm-hmm. I think it's with me doing, being too smart for my own good. You well, clearly you were. <laughs> but I didn't. I wasn't thinking that. Well, like when they rocked up and robbed the place, I wasn't immediately thinking, "Oh, it's that Jewish guy behind this." I thought, "Okay, there's another character involved that we haven't yet discovered that's behind this, mm. like that Uncle George or whatever he was called." Yeah, I, I, I literally only thought that because of the fact that they were drilling into that it's so like rare that anyone would know where the places are. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, little details. Uh, on to the next bit. Uh, What's his name? Le- Michael watery- Pearson. Watery eye? Oh, dry eye. Dry eye. <laughs> the opposite of watery eye. <laughs> yeah. See, it's that week that week on by that I've slowly forgotten the details of this film. <laughs> dry eye is such a, a stereotypical... I hated um, him. Hated a Guy Ritchie type character though, isn't it? Such a bad character. So bad. Yeah. I went with it because, like, in a Guy Ritchie movie, that's what you expect. Were you even? I know I'm jumping ahead here, but were you even to, with it on the point where he just starts to randomly rape the wife? No, no, no. That was way came way out of left field, and I, I, like I say, I admit the film has a lot of flaws, and that is one of them because that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, out S- of nowhere. Yes. So so silly, so dumb. Yeah. 
It's like oh, there's just suddenly raper now, even though in this he's in the office of the guy. And he <laughs> Come also, on. Yeah, I know. And the, 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 but the character of Dry Eye as well, the way he talked, I can't. It, it just didn't ring true to his character. It felt no. like they've got they've specifically chosen a Chinese guy who's actually he's playing a Chinese character. He's Malaysian in in real life, so that already shows that guy Richie don't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. But then they don't play into his culture at all. They just write him completely as an East End geezer, talking like, I'm sorry, I found it very hard to believe. Maybe this is just me being closed-minded. But when he's, he said to one of them characters, stop being a soppy melt or whatever he said, I thought, I have never heard a Chinese guy in yeah. my life say that, anything like that. Is that, when he, is that when he was at the port? Yeah, yeah, when that guy when was guy, like, yeah. oh, I've actually got 40 hubcaps instead of 20. <laughs> But I, I, I didn't believe it. But again, this is what I'm saying, Paul. I'm kind of agreeing with all these things you're saying, but I liked it in spite of all of this. Yes. <laughs> it's very strange. I know, it is I was, I, was, I was really wishing you were going to like... Because everyone's giving it so much love. And I was thinking, I, come on, no, please, mate. Ben, be on the same wavelength as me. No, but I'm, it's not that I, I'm giving it so much love. I just really enjoy it. I've got to be honest. Had you really loved this film... Mm. I would have been doing what you're doing now, despite despite my A. I wouldn't be shooting it down, but I would be focusing on the negatives. But since you disliked it uh, so much, I feel like I now need to lean the other way. But I did my eight was a seven that bordered on an eight, and immediately when I watched it, it was an eight. But as today's gone on, I've been thinking, actually, is it a seven? Mm-hmm. But then I've, I keep thinking no, because. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the ride, and that's the main thing. Do you enjoy it? Because you can do a film like this and not enjoy it, which kind of was a bit of the snatch experience for me. Because yeah. for me, all of the things that you're you're talking about that are seeming a bit ridiculous so far, I found in snatch. Like Brad Pitt's character is so fucking annoying in snatch for me, but everyone loves him. I think he's great in snatch. I, mate. Well, exactly, case in point, <laughs> mate. There you go. Um, Come on now, you got you, you're saying that. Brad Pitt in Snatch. Are you comparing him to this this Chinese guy? No, no, no. I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. And I, I, I'm okay. not even trying to say the Chinese guy's better. But like, the, I think Guy Ritchie creates characters which you can either love or hate. And for the, it's very, very easy to hate them because yeah. he, he creates every single character. There's no subtlety pretty much to any of his characters. They're always garish, over the top, yeah, wide boys. They've the always top. got snappy lines. And that's a little bit annoying, but it kind of works if the film leads into it. And for me, The Gentleman, because it is a silly film, works with that silliness. Silly boy. Also, you're the, you're the silly one, mate. <laughs> when them boys, when them boys led by Bugsy Malone, ripped that place off, and then we see the music video that they did. I thought it? this is fucking great. <laughs> I love this song. I and knew you loved it. As soon as you sent that message to me doing the lyrics on WhatsApp, I was like, oh my god, please don't say like this film. <laughs> Mate, me and Jenny were the last two in the cinema loving that tune when they were playing it in, in over the credits. I'm telling you, we love that fucking tune. I, I was trying to find it yesterday, but you can't get it yet. Listen, it's fu- it was fine. But it kind of annoyed me. I'm sure, but <laughs> because it, was, it was part of the fun factor of it. It's like the, I know I like the ridiculousness of the fact that they just had these GoPros strapped to their heads. It's like why even? Why have you even filmed this? <laughs> it was don't. never really explained. <laughs> it's so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> but I kind of I, I dug it. I, I I was with it. I, I think you've really got to be either with it or or, or you hate it. Exactly. I exactly. think that's what his film is. That's obviously I was one not with this film. <laughs> it's totally it. But I I mean. I, 
there are there's there's other things that were just so ridiculous that make no sense. But this is what I'm saying. Like it, it isn't a film that made sense. Like why the fuck after that after Charlie Unum goes so the whole it was a ridiculous sideline. When the when that lord is like, oh, my daughter's run off with a junkie on a South London estate, and it's like, okay, now Charlie Hunnam, you've got to go and get her back. It's like, well, why? First of all, yeah, I don't really see why it's, it's his bag. And then after that guy gets pushed over the balcony, which I thought was a great scene, because did you know the minute that Charlie Hunnam walked into that place and opened the balcony door, that was like a Hitchcock maneuver, because it was like the moment he opened that door you knew someone was going off that balcony, right? You know, you know. this is another um, one of those times where the trailers ruined it for me. Oh, shit. See, I didn't see the trailer. Yeah. So I, I what happened in the trailer? Happening. You just see the guy falling out the window. You see him stumble over the balcony. Oh, mate, see, this is why trailers... Are... Stop watching them, mate. Mm. I've really got to try hard now, but I don't... That's why I messaged you about that Birds of Prey trailer. I had not seen it up to that point. Not that I would have saw it out anyway, but... Yeah. I only see trailers before the films I see now. I really barely watch trailers. Unless it's something that I'm really interested in, I watch it. But see, even that Tenet one, I've I've watched it that one. I was slightly underwhelmed, but maybe because I couldn't take it all in. But I, don't, I haven't watched it again because I, yeah. I just don't want the... Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I, I liked... If the trailer hadn't spoilt it, I liked... It showed Guy Ritchie's sort of like knowledge of how you set and lay the tension in a scene because already there's tension from them being in there but the moment he just walks to that door and opens it it's like right okay you've placed a ticking bomb in the scene we know it's going to go off at some point and now every interaction is sort of like laced with tension because you know one of these people are going over that fucking balcony Mm. but then my point is he goes over the balcony they go downstairs and they're like right lads give me you're going to have to give me them phones and then they all run off that was a ridiculous fucking scene, and then Charlie Hunnam whips out a little Uzi and shoots up. It's like oh, if you're trying to if you're trying to tell people to shut up and keep things quiet, you don't fire an Uzi in the air. But then it's like <laughs> this is a ridiculous film, mate. It's this a is what I was gonna film. say. This is what I was gonna say about um, uh, he was given the Matthew McConaughey was given the gift of the gold like the little golden gun, and which like, I was not you know, convinced was a real gun until she shot. Him. I know it was like. You know, guns aren't allowed in like the UK. They were like so they're so adamant about the, no guns be allowed in. Charlie Hunnam brings out a massive <laughs> <Yeah>. Uzi. <laughs> also, there is no way Charlie Hunnam had that Uzi on him the whole time I up know, to that point running. because you would have seen that gun knocking all over that the place when he was running, flapping everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but again, I, mate. When you've got, bear in mind, when you have got Hugh Grant narrating all of this in that ridiculous voice of his, in his yeah. ridiculous manner, this is a nonsense, silly film. Yeah, so you just have to go. You have to roll with that. Do you know the funny? The funny thing about this is right that me and you are like walking through this film and pretty much agreeing on everything. Yeah, and I think the only fine line is you either enjoyed it or you didn't. That's it. You're right. We are agreeing on everything that happened in it. Here are some of the things that I didn't like and I can't justify. Yeah, go on. The the racism, which the this the boxing one. Yeah, so so the, the the one guy said that thing about I don't know if he called him a black cunt or a black bastard, and he goes, "Oh, what'd you call me a black cunt for, a black bastard?" And then he's like, "Because you are both things. You are black and you are a bastard. They're not mutually exclusive. It's not a race thing. It's mm-hmm. a compliment, if anything. It's acknowledging you for who you are or whatever." And it's like what Guy Ritchie's doing there is like hiding his like clear racism behind the walls. Just the characters justifying he's it, isn't he? Just yeah. justifying it. Yeah. And like you know, Hugh Grant's character says something you know about. 
he uses R instead of L when doing that Chinese voice. He's like, oh, rice to see you or right on, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. That sort of shit is stupid and there's no justification for it. And it's just, it sounds like crap, childish stuff. You need to grow up a bit. And also when Guy Ritchie is taking little pot shots at like younger people, millennials, liberals, when he's got Charlie Hunnam in that place, he's like, oh, you, you snowflakes, you liberals. It's like, this is Guy Ritchie, man. This is his... Uh, disdain for that generation because you know Guy Ritchie is a fucking conservative surely mm-hmm. he's a he's a wealthy boy he's a wealthy man and I didn't like that I didn't like that and I didn't like the female the wife because it's that crappy old excuse of oh but she's powerful like the boss but it's like yeah but she only exists there to A be the potential rape victim yep and B he Give finally gets a blowjob. <laughs> yeah, she gets she gets to sleep with him at the end because halfway through it's like oh no no, and then at the end it's like well I'm yeah. going to sleep with you now yeah. It would just be played. It just get played the victim at that end bit, wasn't it? Yeah, to build a character was. up for that. Uh, and so to buy, to to buy those hubcaps problems. as well. She wants those hubcaps. Oh yeah, she needs them hubcaps <laughs> in that female garage. Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing. This guy Rishi is kind of like a bit of a dinosaur now in this genre anyway. So the best he could have hoped for was something that was like mildly entertaining. And he kind of came for me as something that was entertaining. This Cockney geezer thing that he's done, he's done it for too long now. Mm. He needs to move on, but not as in his own like persona. Aladdin. Yeah, he like no, no, he, the films that he creates. Okay, it's like right, we, right. We've seen them now. Yeah. So do something new. Like he did when he did Sherlock Holmes. That was really great, and that was cool because he took the best of 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 his understanding of London and and London talk and swagger and put it into something, you know, family entertainment for fuck's sake. I feel like you can really feel like the style when he does something of his like own original idea, not something like Disney. You can yeah. feel it's his film. Yes, like the dialogue, the way it's shot, like the way I think the way the the story plays out as well, like like jumping from like one scene to another by just like just a thought like yeah you know you see Robert like Robert Downey Jr suddenly it shows him getting to the point of the carriage in all different disguises and all that. it's, that's the kind of way that he plays his stories I like that yeah that's yeah. his start but that that's it comes down to him as a director and he and he yeah. is a good he is a good director I just think he needs to he needs to tell some slightly more original stories now and he needs yeah. to move with the times he can't he can't be this 90s gangster hero icon filmmaker anymore he needs to change what his films are about and he and arguably he has with this one with the i i keep saying it but it is it's quite clever and if it was intentional he's fucking gentrified his own films that's what he's done he's taken his films like lock stock and two smoking barrels is brixton in the late 80s early 90s and the gentleman is brixton now He's got a few of the same fucking faces and essentially it's meant to be the same thing but there's a shitload of money and veneer on it now. Yeah. It might, it might be smart in that way but the story is not smart. The way it's, he's, it's, it's not. No. The structure of the story has so many problems. He, he just hopes that the, the comedy will like be sufficient enough to, for people not to notice. But, I, but nevertheless I was still entertained and... and Despite how unoriginal and unremarkable it was, I thought it was. I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm. Best scene in the film? 
I love how we just started talking about the, the plot and then we just, then we just dismissed <laughs> it. Like, we don't need to talk about this. I think because we also learned that very quickly there was not that much plot to, to, no. to talk about. <laughs> some, some of the iconic scenes for me, because it's, it's scenes rather than things, the things that jump out for me is the bit where he's freaking out at the Jewish guy at the end and he's like, you're going to go in that container, you're going to transfer me that money before you get frostbite and you're going to cut off your pound of flesh. It's like, it's so, this guy Richard just throwing so many fucking elements into it. It's like, where's this pound of flesh shit coming from now? Mm. The music video and also when Uncle George was throwing up at the table. You know when he gives him the tea? He oh, yes. something into his all tea. All right, all right. That was fine, mate. It wasn't because I thought, what's happening here? I thought, why is he? Why is he all twisting and contorting? Then he started vomiting. I was like, oh, I see, I see. And he's like, if I can get you in your own restaurant, in your own kitchen, think what I could do to you in the rest of the world. <laughs> the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was yours? My, my favourite scene was probably the the Colin Farrell in the cafe. But see, now that. look, that is, I agree, right? It's satisfying, but it's such it's such a fucking Guy Ritchie thing to do. I it's know. an old man going, oh, fucking kids these days, they all think they're hot shit. Let me just put a middle-aged man uh, in a situation where he can beat the shit out of all these kids and, and send them to rights. Yet somehow it still fucking worked. <laughs> I think, do you know what? I think because it probably resonates me, with me more than any of the rest of the film because... I hate annoying. Chav so much in films. That oh, is one of the too. one of the reasons why the film came down. There's so many like overuse of Chavs. I think they were Chavs. I don't think the boxes are Chavs though. No, the boxes the bo- weren't Chavs, but they all the Burberry haters. Um, mm. But the way it's not really about the Chav. It's about the way they act. It's that over the top. Like Chavs not really like this. It's like, uh, yes. oh, look at those ribs, man. Look at those ribs. It's like the Kingsman. That's what I right. hate about the Kingsman. Right. All that stuff. Yeah. Because it's like over the top chav. This isn't a real life chav. It's like, this is what you think a chav is like. I think... It's a car- it's... it's like a caricature of a chav. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? Like. It's, it's, it's someone who isn't part of that world, who isn't on that age range trying to write for that age bracket. Like, Guy Ritchie's, what, 50? Mm-hmm. So how can he write for teenagers authentically? Like some yeah. people can, but I just, he hasn't got the ear for it. Yeah. And even though chavs are annoying, like whichever way they get put on screen, they're going to be annoying if they're reflected in the way that they in actually that talk. It is a little bit too much of an exaggeration. Uh, funnily enough, I was reading uh, an interview that Simon Pegg was giving about Spaced and like the fact this 21 year anniversary of Spaced and how he said the thing that was great about our show was up to that point, everyone who had been writing 20-somethings for TV, they were all in their 40s and 50s, so it wasn't an authentic voice. And we were the first people to come along who were like in our 20s to write yeah. for 20-year-olds, and that's why it like resonated so Right so for well. the time. Yeah. Mm. It's true, the older, the older you get, how can you accurately portray these voices? It's true. And, yeah, that's, it, what, and that's why I enjoyed Colin Farrell beating them up. Because <laughs> I hated yeah. them. I liked Colin Farrell's character. I liked every like you know when he was doing all the favors. Like he really didn't want to be involved in it all, but he just yeah. ended up doing all these massive fucking favors. We have to talk about one final thing, which I yeah, wasn't happy about because I didn't realize until I saw the credits. My nemesis was in this film, wasn't he? You did it, but how could you not realize because he was in it? That's what oh, I mean. You mean. I the, didn't realize the opening, until the opening credits. credits. Oh, the opening credits. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I thought the credits like the end. I didn't realize it was in that film. <laughs> And his what happened with him was a little bit fucking stupid. Yeah, it was like it was like a Black Mirror episode. 
Well, that's all that's it. Six it made me just think of that, and it made me think of David Cameron. And it was yeah. a little bit like lazy, like, right, we've made you fuck this pig, so now you can't run this story. And then know. they're watching the video like, oh, I can't watch it. It can't get out of your brain. <laughs> yeah, but that's funny. This is dumb. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> so I don't watch it then. <laughs> oh, man. I had a good time with it. Oh. Because it was well. Boxes of Bush. Boxes of Boxes of Boxes. Boxes of Boxes of Bush. <laughs> and he's got that Manchester accent, so it sounded well weird. <laughs> I'm, sure is... I'm sure there's so much more wrong with this film. Yeah, but and and you know what? Every little thing you say about this film that you say is wrong with it, I'll agree with you. But say I enjoyed it nonetheless. <laughs> it is very strange, isn't it? How it is? It's it's literally the it's it's a borderline of whether you go with it or you don't. That it's it. It's it's whether you enjoy it or not. And like it must happen with so many fucking films the the world over. This is why people argue and disagree and whatnot. But the funny thing is, we haven't really disagreed on anything apart no. from our rating and whether we enjoyed it or not the fact that the matter was it was dumb but you either enjoy the dumbest or you don't yeah but I, but actually like while i was watching it i wasn't thinking this is dumb i was just thinking this is this is silly but it knows it is whereas yeah. you were more like this, this is silly, silly and i hate it yeah <laughs> here's something that was nice there's a scene which i thought when i watched it i thought oh i bet that's a nice little easter egg that they've planted here uh, and then it did turn out to be one. When he pulls up outside, I can't remember who pulls up outside a pub, Charlie Hunnam, I think, and there's a van delivering beer to a pub. Did you see the name on the side of the Yes, the van? I saw it. It what was, was it called... Uh, G- was it Gritchies? Gr- Gritchies. Gritchies. Yeah, Gritchie. Something like that, yeah. And I thought, oh, Guy Ritchie's put himself in, in the film. Nice little thingy. I googled it afterwards. He actually runs a brewery, Guy oh, Ritchie. Well. He runs a brewery that makes... Uh, uh, these beers and they're all called something law l-o-r-e and that's what michael pearson was drinking at the beginning uh. of the film that's what that pint was when they showed the tap pouring the beer it was uh land your or something law that was kind of cool good promotion good promotion and uh i will be seeking that beer out one more thing that really annoyed me let me just say before we finish up spit it out do, uh, do you remember when he he said I was recording them, but I couldn't get their voices, so we got, I got to mind the whole script. Yeah, yeah. Right? That was stupid. <laughs> that was funny, was. mate. <laughs> but then at the end, it showed the footage again, and it showed them talking. <laughs> I know, I know. But I, 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 listen, you just got to go in all that. Here's <laughs> the so thing. so dumb. Here's the thing. Guy Ritchie, I can't believe that Aladdin only came out like seven or eight months ago. Yeah. Because that's a really quick turnaround in between films. Obviously, he didn't film it in the last seven months, but to release two films in the space of a year, two yeah. unrelated films, is quite the feat. So there is a great chance that because of his his distraction working on Aladdin, that a lot of things that he might have otherwise given attention and focus to in this film sort of went by the wayside, <laughs> yeah. which is why it ended up like this. But I think you will look back on this film much more kindly in the future. When I was watching the film, I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to finish this film. I just came no. out at the end and I was like, oh, it's so dumb. Like, and there was so much that annoyed me that I couldn't give it a good score. What a shame. Yeah. Is that one of your worst films of the year then? Uh, I think so I watched far. worse. I think I watched worse. Guess what? It's our best film of the year and our worst film of the year. <laughs> All at the same time. All at the same time. Well, I think now the thing is, Adam's going to have to watch it so we can chuck his score into this mix. But because you've given it a five, 
We've really skewed the score on this, so it's going to put it unfairly low in our overall <laughs> rankings. <laughs> I feel like Adam will love it. Because always well, mates love it. Adam loves Snatch, though, isn't it? Yes, he, he. Yeah, it's one of his best films. Yeah, I had no idea that Snatch was in your top ten. How did I not realise this? Yeah, it's number nine. So, considering that we don't have Adam scoring this, this is going to change later in the year, and we'll update dear listeners yes. at that point. But based on my eight and your five, that is an average of six and a half on the nose for this mm. film, which means that it beats these four f- films that are at six point three: Terminator, Dark Fate. Bright, The House That Jack Built, and Hereditary. I'd agree with that. I can't believe that Terminator Dark Fate's down there. That's because of Adam. But I I, I, I think, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I would enjoy Dark Fate more. But anyway, it's below Rise of Skywalker, Solo, and Green Book, which I do not agree with in, at any stretch of the imagination. It's a better <laughs> film than all of those. But I, we'll see what Adam does. But, and now you have a decision to make, young Paul. Yes. It is tied with the only other film that we give a 6.5. And I believe that we gave the exact same scores for this film as we just did for Gentleman. (laughs) Frozen 2. Oh, shit. Um, Is it better or worse? Because you did. You gave Frozen 2 a 5. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, There's there's a lot more to enjoy in The Gentleman than Frozen 2. I think that's a fair comment, mate. Mm. So it's got to go above it, right? Yeah. All right, so that's that's good. So we whack the gentleman in there at 6.5 until Adam scores things. That means that of the... Because we are now running a total of 36 films reviewed for this mm-hmm. podcast. It places at 26, which is not too hot, man. Not too hot. That is not too hot at all. <laughs> Look, maybe I'll watch it again one day. And by the end of the year, I'll be like, you know what? I was harsh in that film. But I yes. don't think I will. I think, <laughs> I, think you I will. still I, hate it. I think you'll watch it and you'll you'll hate it less because you'll now be thinking more along the lines of, oh, it's it's a crap film, and then you'll just go with the, the, the silly aspect. Yeah. Or maybe I just won't ever watch it again. Did it make you want to eat steak, though? On, I, I made me want to get like a barbecue table. Yeah, that was a nice barbecue table. Keep your knees warm. Can you cook me a steak? Can you cook me a steak, love? <laughs> coming to bed with you tonight. I'm gonna come into bed with you. I'm gonna hide in the cupboard. <laughs> yeah. What did he say? I can't remember. I, I can't remember what he said. There was a lot of rude talk in this. Yeah. Eddie Marsden was such a cunt in it though. He always is, isn't he? Yeah, he always is. Although he is in real life, so it's easy for him to play yeah. it. He plays an idiot in filth as well, but we can we can give him that because he is an idiot. Not, but that's the only time that he's a nice guy in filth. But he's a bit of an idiot. Frank Sidebottom. Sidebottom. <laughs> I'm Frank Sidebottom. <laughs> well, that was that was lovely. That was a lovely trashing of a film, even though you loved it. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. And we have to check in with Adam, because Adam's got to watch it soon. Maybe he'll watch it while it's still in cinemas and he can update us in the next one. This will definitely be the first one that Adam watches when he gets back. Probably. Because our next film doesn't come out on Netflix until 31st of January and it's Uncut Gems mm, that so is our next film yes that is our next film and I think Uncut Gems would well I don't know I mean I feel like I could absolutely hate it it's getting a lot of love it is getting a lot of love I can imagine loving it equally but also I think I could really take against this one and just do it on purpose 
I'm just, well, I'm very excited to actually see it because yeah, there's I am. been I've, so much talk. I, I haven't watched any trailers. This isn't one that I have never watched any trailers. I don't know what it's about. It's something about he, he's selling diamonds. I, <laughs> I yeah, don't know. He's, he's doing something with money. <laughs> I think that's all films really, isn't it? Although I typed in a... Uh, I typed when I typed Adam Sandler into one of my reviews. I did hashtag Adam Sandler. A little, a little like cat popped up. So I don't know what that means. It's like a, it was like a one of those oh, Chinese it's not New a cat, Year cats. My friend. It's not a cat, my friend. It's not a cat. It's something oh. you know all too well. I don't know it? how you haven't seen this in the marketing of this film. What is it? It's a little golden Furby. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a um, one of the New Year cats that waves. No. That golden Furby's fucking everywhere. A24 are selling it for like $250 as well, that, I think. That just shows how much I know about this film, so it's Good. exciting well, to see what's going to happen. That's the way to do it. Keep it nice and top secret. Indeed. Well, should I, should I wrap this up? Wrap it up. Okay, so you can get in touch first at Filmbusters Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also go to our website, www.filmbusterspod.co.uk, and even email us at filmbusters at Outlook. Dot com. We also have our individual Twitter accounts. I'm at Filmbusters Paul. I'm at Filmbusters Ben. And the one who isn't here is at Filmbusters Samantha. Always Samantha. Always. Forevermore. <laughs> if nothing else, that will be Frozen 2's legacy in this podcast for the years to come. He still hasn't listened to it, has he? No. He still hasn't messaged us, witness the fitness. No. When he, he does, do we'll let you know. He might, he might listen to this one first and then... It'll ruin it for him. Yes, he'll listen to this before he sees it. He'll be listening to this like when it gets released while he's still in Bangkok. <laughs> that will spoil it. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing what reigns supreme on our list this year, 2020. There's going to be a lot of surprises this year because I don't think there is as, as much um, highly anticipated films as there was in 2019. No. I really don't. There was a hell of a lot for 2019. Considering we had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joker and The Irishman, they were the three films that each of us individually were yeah. so hyped about. Mm-hmm. This year, like the only thing we're we're really hyped about, if we're hand on heart, is Tenet. Yeah. What 100%. else are you hyped about for this year? Anything? Uh, Tenet is the number one, definitely. Yeah. Oh, and and for me, Halloween Kills. Oh yeah, I forgot that's coming out this year. Yeah, I'm very interested to just see what they do with that. Oh well, well I'm also excited for Birds of Prey. <laughs> So I'll tell you this much, right? Yeah, go on. I know that I will absolutely hate it. I know it might, I will. It, might be, like, I it I might be like The Gentleman. You can't go into it just hoping you're going to hate it. No, no. But I want to review it for the podcast because I want to lay my argument yes. out there. It's yes. not enough. I will have to suffer through so many cunts on Twitter <laughs> raving about it before it's come out. No, mate. No one's going to rave out. about it. Everyone hates DC. I'm the only one who likes it. Oh, it's getting a lot of love. I'm the only one who loves it, mate. She's the most annoying character I've seen in film in a long time. What, even more than than uh, the Chinese guy? In Dry Gentleman. eye was better than her. <laughs> what, watery eye. Watery eye. <laughs> it's